Welcome to episode 165 of the Rugby League Republic podcast with your hosts, Tish and Dr. T. In this episode of the podcast, we discuss the New South Wales government greenlighting the NRL fans to return by this Thursday. We talk about the one team that remains undefeated. We talk about the one team that remains winless. And we also talk about the NRL expansion team that could possibly have an Indigenous name. This is Rugby League for the People, and you are on Rugby League Republic podcast, which starts right now. Welcome to episode 165 of the Rugby League Republic podcast. We aim to bring you the everyday fans' perspective on the greatest game of all, Rugby League. This is Rugby League for the people. I'm your co-host, Dr. T. Joining me is Tish. Tish, we are at round five now. So (laughs) the Rugby League is back. Are you pumped? Are you still pumped compared to what you were last week? Yeah, i got to say I'm still pumped. I mean, this week I was a little more... um, you know, when I was watching the game, it was like um, it was kind of almost like back to normal a little bit. Um, but I've got to say, uh, what a season that we have for 2020! I, um, from my thinking, I've got six clubs, six teams that I think have got a genuine chance of winning it this year, and then I've probably got another three teams that who aren't 100% playing that well at the moment, but um, I still think are a, a very viable threat to take it out this year as well if things go their way. So that's nine teams that I could see. And there's probably another 10th team out there that's probably got a great roster but just isn't performing at the moment. So, I mean, out of 16 teams, 10 teams, I feel, have got a genuine chance of winning, which uh, that's pretty uh, that's pretty awesome. But I know we're, we're not that far into the season, but we kind of are as well just because of all the circumstances. But anyway, Dr. T, I'm just getting more and more excited about the NRL this year. How about yourself? Oh look, I'm getting uh, I'm getting excited as well. Uh, I guess I guess the real test is when you look at our tipping, how terrible we've been <laughs> this weekend. It sort of tells you that you know the NRL is uh, it's predictably unpredictable because uh, yeah. you know just when we thought we had it in the bag and we thought you know I know how this season is starting to shape up. Uh, <laughs> I mean, look, some of my yeah. tips were completely way off. And so exactly. I think uh, I think that's I think that's a good sign because I think it shows that the NRL is you know we just when you think you've got it sorted it's not sorted uh, and mm. and yeah it, there's a lot more excitement still to be had and as you said it what it means is it opens up the uh, the the competition really yeah, uh, exactly. and and I think that's going to be nothing but exciting for the game especially as we're about to get fans uh, coming back to the game as well. So that will be – it's very interesting. It's better to have it this way than the other way, which is a predictable kind of uh, same old, same old teams. And, and NRL doesn't know how to do predictable. So, uh, you know, it's 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 exciting. But, yeah, yeah let's shall, we, shall we get right into the, the wrap of round yeah, four? Let, or? Let's do it. Let's do it. All right, here are our six tackles. And here is the first tackle, which is the round four wrap. 
All right. So first game uh, in round four was, well, you know, close your ears if you're a Broncos fan because uh, the Roosters, 59, Broncos, zero at Suncorp Stadium. I believe that was, was that the worst ever Broncos defeat? Um, If not, it would have been close to it because, yeah, just unbelievably terrible, terrible game from the Broncos. Absolutely. Well, to give you an idea, Dr. T, right? So last year, Parramatta played the Broncos uh, in Broncos' final game of the season last year. And they, the Parramatta Eels broke a record for the, for the uh, you know, they, they beat Brisbane by the, the, the biggest winning margin, um, you know, against the Broncos, which is 58-0. Okay. Five games later, right, so round four, <laughs> Right, in 2020, the Broncos lose 59-0. So that record for Parramatta, which I thought a lot of people thought, oh, well, you know, that was just like a, a bit of a, a once-off. After just five games, the Broncos have gone from bad to worse. And you know what? Like, it's, it's kind of unbelievable. I mean, we're talking about a team that, in the, you know, the first two rounds before the, the shutdown, they were undefeated. And uh, they were winning quite well, and now completely gone off the radar. Uh, there's so much news about them and everything. And uh, and to be honest, they they played shockingly bad. Like the Roosters were good, and um, you know they were professional. They did everything right. They they were even losing James Tedesco. James Tedesco did not play because of a high fever, so they had the number one fullback in the world not playing. Yet they were uh, yet that they were completely dominant against the Broncos, which is kind of scary. Um, there was one stage I saw the Brisbane players actually carry um, carry a Roosters forward closer to the try line than than pulling it back, and I'm thinking, what is wrong with Brisbane? <laughs> they they were shocking. Some of the decisions they were making in the field was just it was like I can't believe it. like. You know, like they had like four or five sets uh, go against them, and then as soon as they get the ball, um, they run it on the last, <laughs> and you're like, "Wow!" Like, is this like a? It was like an under eight team w- uh, playing. It was kind of it was it was really bizarre. But anyway, uh, yeah. Look, sorry for Brisbane supporters out there, but they got smashed. Yeah, look, and someone should tell the Broncos that uh, you you don't get first round pick uh, next season by a uh, draft pick by coming last. So I don't know what they're doing. It looks like, you know, look, and I'm not I'm not sort of going to be a conspiracy theorist here, but, you know, 58-0, five games later, 59-0. It's very coincidental. Are we looking at 60-0 in five games from now? I'm not sure. Um, mm. It's very coincidental that it's not just a flogging, but, like, literally almost the same score. Uh, I I don't know what to say. I mean... If if you're not looking at uh, at the Broncos coaching there and asking some questions, then uh, you know I guess you should be because this isn't just defeat. This is a flogging, and so um, mm. it's just unbelievable. On the back of what happened last week as well, it's just unbelievable. So yeah, look, that's uh, not good signs for the Broncos. But obviously, the Roosters, as polished as always, uh, you know they're going to stamp their authority as one of the favourites uh, this season, and they've sort of started to do that already. But, again, it's hard to tell. Well, you're not being really tested at the moment when you're beating the Broncos 59-0, um, mm. especially when they're not putting in very good performances. So, 
Yeah, so look, that was that game. Uh, the the Panthers, 26-0 over the Warriors at Campbelltown Stadium. Uh, yep. Look, totally against what I thought would happen, which was the Warriors having actually uh, had some time to sort of concentrate and, uh, you know, bond as a, as a team, et cetera, et cetera. That didn't seem to work at all because here I am thinking that the Panthers would be distracted by the Nathan Cleary situation, but obviously it hasn't um, because they uh, easily accounted for the Warriors 26-0. Not one point, the Warriors, after what they did last week, I just, I, again, I don't know what's going on. I can't fathom yeah. it. Uh, what was your take on this game? Well, well, yeah, maybe it shows uh, how bad the opposition was against the Warriors last week. Um, <laughs> but, yeah, but look, complete reversal form. And look, Panthers 26-0, they are one of my teams that I believe they have a genuine chance of winning it this year. Um, think about it. They played so well, 26-0, a complete shutout, yet I, they get their uh, they get their playmaker, Nathan Cleary, their general back this week. So that kind of shows you where the Panthers are. Um, you know, as a club, genuine threat. And look for the Warriors. Um, you know, maybe, look, let's hope that they can turn it around this week. Um, again, because, you know, uh, obviously we all feel for them. But, uh, yeah, n- not a very good scoreline for them at all. And uh, the Storm, 22, uh, defeated the Rabbitohs, 8, at Amy Park, Melbourne. Uh, look, as clinical as always, there was some interesting... Uh, you know, amazing plays there. Uh, I forget who it was, but uh, there was there was one of those lunging kind of uh, jumps to the sideline to save a uh, uh, a kick from a kick to touch uh, and bring it back in. Uh, you know, it was there's a lot of highlights from this game that you'll see on YouTube, etc. But in the end, it all comes down to just plain discipline, which is what the Storm do best. So, you know. They've done what they need to do against the Rabbitohs, 22-8, pretty convincing. Uh, what are your thoughts on this one? Yeah, look, this is actually a really great game one um, of uh, of the round, actually. And look, the Storm, usual suspect, a team that uh, is probably going to be, um, you know, chanting themselves into the finals this year. I, I give them a chance. But I've got to say, the Rabbitohs were much better this week than what they were the previous week. I believe Latrell Mitchell had his best game as fullback. You know, for pretty much 60 minutes, um, the score, I think, was a lot closer. I'm pretty sure it was 12-8 for up until about the 60th minute. So it was, it was only really till the end where um, the Rabbitohs sort of fell away. Um, and, look, they kind of looked a little uh, – they needed Cody Walker, I feel. They kind of needed Cody Walker. and They needed um, Jimmy the Jet. I think once those two players come in, but back into their squad, they're going to be a real uh, – I, I think the Rabbitohs are on the cusp of something good because they – they did play uh, well in parts, so it's just they yeah, couldn't put it all together. And, you know, yeah, the Storm, as you said, clinical as ever. Um, though I've got to say, um, they're talking about moving Cameron Smith to half back at the moment to sort of get... Because they've, they've had a bit of a slow start in sort of all the games they had, so they're, they're talking about tweaking things a little bit. Um, it's very interesting because they don't really have a, a specialist halfback, um, and they're a team that wants to take it out this year. So I, I don't know if there are some fundamental flaws in, in the Melbourne roster at the moment. Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, they're in the rebuilding phase anyway with Kronk, you know, not being there for a couple yeah, of years. That's so, true. Um, yeah. And Munster needing to step up as well. Um, all right. Eels defeated the Seagulls 19-16 at Bankwest Stadium. 
Mm. It was a a tight one and uh, it probably shouldn't have been because the Eels were kind of well on top up until the very end. I think they let the the Manly Seagulls get back into it. But, look, the main thing out of this was the controversial uh, decision to disallow a Manly try, which would have put them uh, 2019 ahead. Um, And the controversy surrounds the fact that uh, 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 the around a, a forward pass, uh, which uh, went to the winger, and uh, look really look. I guess the the key question is, Tish. I don't know if you've seen if you watched the match or if you've seen the replay, if you've seen the continuous uh, comments online about this. It seems to be the thing, the only thing that's dividing the world more than the Black Lives Matter protests, which is. Was this a forward pass or not? And yeah. I'll, I'll I'll let you uh, guide me through what you think, and then I'll give my view on it. So, what do you think? Having a look at the replay, uh, never mind the fact that it was decided by the on-field uh, touch judge, but um, you know, what are your thoughts on it when you look at the replay? Was it a forward pass? Well, I've got some breaking news. I've been monitoring the situation, but the breaking news is is that um, NFL star Tom Brady is getting passing lessons from Daily Cherry Evans. Um, so, well, it wasn't him that threw the. Well, yeah, right. okay, maybe. <laughs> yeah, no. No, I ahead, think yeah. to be to, to be fair, like they talk about, oh, it's not a forward. It is. It was. It was. <laughs> Uh, as what Dad sort of said, it it was like a kilometre forward, uh, as far as I can see. Right, the line and the line actually kind of proves it as well. Uh, never mind momentum, never mind all that sort of stuff. It, I mean, um, pretty much the fingers were pointing towards the thing. So I don't know if Manly can be as that. Look, Manly, um, they had some decisions last year that I thought that they kind of got robbed in one of the finals, but um, this was not that situation. Um, they weren't. Parramatta were on top, as you said, and um, they deserve that win. And I think this controversial forward pass, I mean, there's a reason why we don't rule on it um, from a video point of view because, um, to be fair, like, just about every pass is going to look forward. But this was definitely forward. I mean, I, I think there was – it. I, I felt like it was borderline deliberate, to, to be completely honest with you. Um, oh. And, uh, look – the Sea Eagles, the Sea Eagles. I mean, look, the Eels. Uh, as I said, another genuine th- uh, threat to the premiership. But I think Sea Eagles also kind of showed enough in this game to say suggest that they also, if they could get things right, can also, um, you know, sort of outside that sort of, um, you know, main uh, teams trying to take it out. I think they've got a good chance this year as well. Yeah. Look. Um. I. Yeah. No. Look. I have to agree. I. I actually believe it was Tommy. Tommy T. That. Uh, through that pass, uh, rather than David oh, Terry okay. Evans, yeah, I believe it was. But look, look, the thing that gets me, and let me just set the record straight because I've seen quite a few, you know, on Twitter and on uh, you know Facebook or wherever on YouTube, I've seen a lot of photo uh, videos of uh, of that famous kind of the physics explanation of forward pass when you're running at speed. And how if you're running at speed and if you can imagine you're running at speed and you throw the pass behind you, physically behind you, as in up in the air but behind you, it will travel forward by virtue of the fact that you are travelling forward, right? Mm -hmm. And so some people have put that video to show, see, it went forward even though he threw it backwards. 
No. If you look, if you look at it, he didn't actually throw it backwards. It very clearly floated forward and he wasn't. And so you've seen this trick of the eye as well where at pace, imagine two players, a winger, fullback, at pace running forward, the winger cuts it back in. But because he's travelling forward and he, but he propels the ball backwards, it does travel forward from the point at which, um, you know, the point at which he actually let go of the ball. But because he was, uh, you know, he was propelling it backwards, it floated forward. This was not that case at all because if you see the replay, and so I just want to end the speculation here. If everyone who wants to throw that physics explanation at us looks carefully at the way Tommy T threw the ball, he did not keep running. He got smashed in the tackle at the same time as he offloaded. And yeah. there's no other way to describe it other than he threw it and the momentum, the, the, sh- the momentum stoppage of him being tackled, uh, you know, I guess maybe forced it to go forward. Maybe he intended to propel it backwards, but that's not what it looked like. Even from his hands, it came, it propelled forward. So to me, and, and then the real clincher was the line. He got caught before the line, got tackled before the line, yep. and the ball floated and was caught you know, pretty much on the line or in front of the line. Uh, the Was it the 20-metre line, I believe it was? So yep. to me, there's there's two pieces of evidence there that yep. uh, we have to just, you know, let's bust some myths right now. If you see anyone putting those silly videos uh, with the physics explanation of, of uh, you know, how, you, how a ball can travel forward even though you're propelling it backwards, uh, please call them out, people, because... Yeah. It's it's not at all what uh, first of all it's true that is true but this was not an example of that at all if you look at it very clearly the ball propelled forward the yep. momentum his momentum was stopped there is no way that you could argue that um, that he was propelling it backwards and so to me it was a fair call and then look there's other people as well who are saying okay even if it was uh, a, a flat pass. And not a forward pass. You know, Dylan Walker uh, dropped the ball cold over the line. To me, that's the bigger controversy: is the fact that Manly was allowed a try when the bunker looked at that replay many times and and still and still argued that it was a try when it clearly wasn't. I think more than the forward, the alleged forward pass, there needs to be some accountability. And as my friend Jeff Tuvey would say, there needs to be an investigation into that Dylan Walker try call as opposed to the no try forward pass call. So, Tish, I don't know if you saw that no try, uh, the Dylan Walker drop ball, but I think that was more controversial in my eyes. Uh, But as you said, look, my final word is I think Parra deserved to win anyway. They probably let them get too close, which is uh, a lesson to be learned there, I think, for Brad Arthur's team that, you know, you you can't – they needed to have put the foot on – the pedal and not let Manly get close to them when, once they got ahead. And and unfortunately, they almost did let that one slip through the net. So uh, very unfortunate for the Eels, but lucky, lucky, lucky escape. So Tish, uh, final thoughts on uh, on that other controversial moment? Well, yeah, uh, no try. <laughs> You're right. I mean... Uh, look, the video referee. I think. Uh, I think. I think. I saw Gus Gould. Maybe we went about Gould or, or someone else talking about how they they they're trying to find the one percent 
situation, right? You know, if it, if it's uh, if it's deemed, you know, sort of no try, they're looking for that one percent reason why it is a try. And when it when that when the referee says it is a try, they're looking for that one percent a moment where it's not a try, you know. And in the end, look, I think that um, I kind of go by the whole: if it looks like a try, then it is a try. If he looks like he dropped it, he's pretty much dropped it. He's lost control. Do you know what I mean? It's pretty easy to see when somebody has lost control, even if it's momentarily. So, look, um, yeah, look, I think that decision, uh, yeah, it's it's amazing. But uh, but look, thankfully, the right team got the right victory. Um, shall we move on? <laughs> Let's move on. Uh, Cowboys, Sharks. Sharks won that one. 26 to 16 at Cowboys' uh, hometown. Again, one of those... Very strange, uh, strange games. But look, the Sharks again surprising everyone or me anyway. Uh, <laughs> I thought the yeah. off-field controversy would uh, do them no favors, but it looks like it's bonded them together. So, uh, yeah. Cowboys, I don't know what's going on. I mean, uh, yeah, it's I'm a bit sort of perplexed as to what they're doing. So, what's your take on that one? Twenty six sixteen Sharks winners. Yeah, look, everything um, this scoreline goes exactly opposite to what we've all seen. You know, the Cowboys, they got off to a slow start, losing to Brisbane at the start of the year, but then they had a, had a win. Then, you know, coming back from the break, they also had a win. They were looking stronger and stronger. And uh, the Sharks, meanwhile, controversy, 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 hadn't won a game. And all of a sudden, they win a game away from home, um, you know, in North Queensland, uh, which is kind of amazing. And you think, uh, wow, the Sharks, have some really uh, awesome, tremendous uh, recuperating uh, ability uh, in their team to be able to uh, come back from, uh, you know, from, from defeat the week before. And, um, you know, I think they had, uh, I think there was like four to six players that I read in this game from the Sharks actually tested the temperature higher than what was expected. And then, because um, then, I think what happens is your temperature gets tested once and then in a couple of hours, they tested again just to make sure they don't get the faults. And it was only in the second test that I think six of their players were cleared to play. So kind of a, a very interesting sort of, you know, uh, sort, sort of uh, situation up there. But, yeah, the Cowboys, they've got a good team. Um, so maybe it's just an anomaly for this week. Yeah, hopefully. Uh, I was looking forward to seeing the Cowboys sort of cement their place there, but not to be. Uh, Raiders, similar thing. Just when we thought they were on the cusp mm. of continuing their great form, they lose to the Knights, which I think, did they lose to Blot last week to the Warriors? So I have no idea what's going on here. Uh, 34 to 18, the Knights defeated the Raiders at Campbelltown Stadium. Um, the Knights also looking to cement their place and, and to sort of show that, you know, they don't want to be forgotten either. So, again, this one surprised yeah. me because of, the recent form uh, that we saw from the Raiders and the Knights, but look, the Knights really you can't you can't knock a, a team that has the likes of uh, you know Kalen Ponga uh, ripping teams to shreds uh, and and some you know Sean Kenny Dowell and others there as well. You know you've got you've got the makings of a very good side there, and they just need to put it together. So, what were your thoughts on this game, Tish? Oh yeah, look, um, uh, look, I was completely upset, uh, you know, surprised by the this upset. Um, Canberra, I thought they were going to win. They were going to take it home. They are the, you know, they they are the favourites of the premiership, and I think they're still quite close to being the favourites for the premiership. Um, 
and uh, there was a reason why. But then they uh, they met a red hot uh, Newcastle, and Newcastle um, that's their third win of the season. And um, you know the other matches is what they they drew last week with the Panthers actually. So um, another team that I think is going to be uh, knocking on the door in the finals. The Knights look pretty good, and the fact that they were able to beat um, you know the team that is uh, you know uh, the favourites to win. Very, very interesting. I will say this about the Knights, though. Uh, last year, they also beat the Roosters, who were premiership favourites when they played as well. So the Knights do have this ability to upset some of the big teams. And uh, so far, they've had a pretty good start to the season. But let's just see if they could keep the consistency up. I think it's on them. And I think Canberra, look, the tough thing for Canberra at the moment during this whole situation is that this is a home game for them, but they have to travel three hours to get there, three hours to get back for a home game. So every week they're going to be traveling on the road. And um, I don't know with a team with that sort of size, um, you know, getting to and from games and all that preparation, you know, it's kind of, uh, you know, it's a very tough situation for them to be able to do it. Um, so, so it is, I think that's going to be, um, I think that's going to be more, pre- like we'll see how we go week to week, but I have a feeling that the Raiders might suffer from from just the amount of travel that they'll have to make uh, in the opening rounds of the uh, restart to the competition. Absolutely. Uh, speaking of the strange uh, scores, here's another one. Titans defeated the Tigers 28-23 to at Suncorp Stadium. Again, nothing in, in the form that we've seen recently would have predicted this, I think. Uh, very shocking. But, yeah, Titans seems to have pulled it together for that one game. But uh, are they going to continue it? And was this an anomaly for the Tigers? Well, look, at the end of this game, I did vow to everybody that I will stop supporting the Tigers because I was really quite disappointed by the whole thing. I've kind of uh, come to my senses a little bit, but uh, just a really bad performance. This is why the Tigers always finish uh, nine um, because the, all these games that are expected to win, they lose. Um <laughs> So, yeah, there's a bit of an ancient thing there. But, look, what, one thing I do have to say about the Titans, they were they showed a bit of resiliency. I mean, they were down 10-0. The Tigers got, got off to a good start. They came back. Um, and the second half played pretty much like the first half played, where the Tigers got out to a bit of a lead, uh, 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 you know, again. And unlike the Sharks the previous week, this time, the, you know, instead of uh, capitulating, the Titans actually kept on fighting, kept on fighting. And it wasn't until, um, you know, even when Benjamin Marshall kicked the field goal, um, you know, with three minutes to play, you thought that the game had been wrapped up. But the Titans never gave up and in the end scored a match-winning try, uh, converted it and um, basically sealed the fate. So well done to the Titans and that's Justin Holbrook's very first victory in the NRL. So well done to him as well. And uh, let's not forget that their coach is actually the uh, reigning Super League champ uh at the moment right so um you know he uh you know he he's he definitely knows how to coach sort of thing and maybe this is uh maybe this is the catalyst for future progress for the titans and when's the last time have we had a situation where out of the three queensland teams the only winner is the titans that's 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 got to be uh that's got to be a while since that's ha- happened right it's got to be at least a decade i would think so it's been <laughs> It's been quite a while. You're right. Uh, unbelievable. And look, 
final game uh, of the weekend was the Bulldogs and the Dragons, uh, the battle of the bottom of the ladder, and the Bulldogs yeah. won that one uh, 22-2. And, look, unfortunately the Dragons were absolutely woeful. So, you know, again, I have quite a few people that I know who are St. George Illawarra Dragons fans, and I think they all <laughs> were very much vocal online over the weekend uh, after that game. Very disappointing if you're a Dragons fan. But uh, Tish, look, and obviously has put uh, the, we'll talk about a, a little bit later, <laughs> the Dragons in depth, but it's put them uh, and the coach in particular on notice. Um, yeah. It's, uh, you know, to not have anything to show for it. Two points in a bottom of the table clash is uh, is just not on. Not, it's not acceptable. So, but the Bulldogs seem to have put it together. They they showed a bit more toughness and and yeah. and you know a bit more flair. And really, what Dean Pay can take away from that is that you know there's there are ele- the elements there of a you know potentially a uh, a good way to rescue the season for the Bulldogs. But they've still got a lot of work to do. Tish, what are your thoughts on that bottom of the table clash? Well, the Bulldogs found something, and the Dragons found nothing. <laughs> <laughs> That's pretty much how I'd like to say it. And um, look, I think we'll be talking more about the Dragons a little bit, little bit later on. But look, well done to the Bulldogs' first victory um, for 20, 2020. And um, look, they had some really good form towards the end of the uh, last season. So I think they're one of probably one of these teams where they kind of um, sort of improve as the season goes on. And um, this is more evidence to that. The thing about the Bulldogs, which I do like, is that despite not having the most talented roster out there, they're, they're a team that do certainly try and make it hard for the opposition to score. So I think defense is, is really their key. The problem is they don't have that much in attack. Um, so the fact that they scored 22 points is kind of an amazing achievement and also showing a little bit about the Dragons' defense and how bad it is at the moment. So <laughs> shall we move on? That was the wrap. That was uh, what, what a round of rugby league. I've got to say, this is true to form to a, a normal round two of any competition you know, usually round one, you know, we kind of, kind of get, you know, close to eight out of eight. Round two, it's always <laughs> dreadful tipping because, you know, all the teams that didn't do well in the first round seem to be able to pull it off in the second round. Yeah, and this is round two, remember, after a COVID break. So technically round four, but mm. it just feels like it's a new season. So it's, uh, look, at this point, it feels like every every week is a new season because I can't predict necessarily how the teams are going to behave. And perform so, yeah. Let's move on to uh, tackle number two. All right. So the New South Wales government is set to greenlight a return for NRL fans by this Thursday. Uh, the government granted permission for stadiums to cater in the same way as pubs and clubs do across New South Wales. The reintroduction of crowds will initially be in a limited capacity. Currently, up to fifty customers abiding by one person per four square meters. We, with strict social distancing measures, are allowed to visit pubs and bars. It's those same set of health laws that will be applied to designated areas of stadiums during live matches. This, this doesn't mean 50 people max um, in the stadium. What it means is that they'll have to really think carefully about how they spread people around and uh, how many uh, can fit within certain boundaries. So, uh, what are your thoughts on this in general? Uh, you know, is it a good idea to start bringing fans back, but in a limited way, or should we just wait until 
the restrictions are completely lifted and then go hell for leather. What do you reckon? Well, look, I think uh, this is kind of a, a very interesting development because July 1st is when, um, you know, Mr. Volandis, uh, that name again, PVL had announced that, you know, this is our goal to get fans back into the to the ground with, you know, limited capacity. But again, much detail as to where they wanted to be. Um, the fact that this week they are allowed to bring at least groups of 50 within a bar. So I think the way it's going to work is that if there's like a bar or cafe area in a ground, then they could have 50 people sort of near that area. So if, you know, if, you know, Campbelltown Stadium has six or seven of them, then seven times 50, they could get 300 people in. Something like that is is how it's going to work. I like the fact that it is actually limited for the first round or first few rounds, hopefully, um, just so that we could get our protocols in place um, to, you know, temperature testing and, you know, how, how people get in and out of the ground. Uh, who should be allowed to, to, to come play and who shouldn't? Um, also, like, you know, if, you, if you're a patron and you pay for a ticket, but as it turns out, you don't have all the security measures in place, um, you know, your temperature's too high and whatever, and you're not fit to watch the game, you know, what happens in those situations. So I think it's actually kind of a, a good thing that we've got a limited uh, amount of people so that we could sort of nut out maybe some of the uh, issues because, you know, obviously they didn't really think about that with the crowd noise and the cutouts. Um, but maybe they might be able to sort of experiment a little bit before we start getting to, and I think eventually, I don't think that by the end of the year we'll have grounds completely full. Um, if anything, what I do think is going to happen is that you're going to have uh, social distancing will have to take place within stadiums. So, you know, a stadium like um, Parramatta Stadium that has 30,000 capacity, they're only allowed to, you know, maybe put a third of that in there. Um, so 11 to 12,000 and everybody's got to sit you know, um, one seat apart, you know, and alternate rows or something like that to keep the distancing. I think that's the only way 2020 is going to be able to look because really the, the danger is still out there and the, and the news about the second wave and everything, that kind of suggests to me that we kind of really can't go all the way back to where we were, uh, but at least we're getting a bit of a start to, to some sort of um, middle ground. What about your thoughts, Dr. Z? What do you think? Yeah, uh, it's going to be weird, <laughs> that's for sure. It's going to be weird but interesting to, to kind of have this sort of middle ground measure. Uh, and, look, the fact is we don't know whether this second wave is going to hit, so it's still a bit up in the air, although it looks like, you know, we just heard news this week that New Zealand has uh, triumphantly declared that they have eradicated COVID. They've eliminated it from the country with no cases for a while, et cetera, et cetera. So, um, you know, that I, I think sort of if, if we have the same sort of situation here in Australia, then we probably will be in a position to get back to some semblance of normality as long as a, a second wave doesn't really start up. Um, having said that, uh, the, the middle ground will probably be there for a little while. And, and so how are we going to make it work? Well, yeah, like, I mean, it's going to be a bit weird to see people spaced a little bit apart. I mean, maybe there's an opportunity for... Uh, you know, maybe we just need to work out where we're going to put those cardboard cutouts. Uh, maybe maybe you get free entry if you can uh, bring a cardboard cutout with you, you know. Wow. That way you can sit down uh, with no one near you, but then you can just put a cardboard cutout next to you and, 
make it look like there's uh, more of a crowd. You know, how about that? I mean, that's that's one way we can get around it. Uh, it yeah. The problem isn't it where you where now you know that there's no crowd, you can kind of expect well, you know, well, there's no crowd. There's nothing. You know, they're, they're doing well just by the virtue of the fact that they're even out there playing uh, as a sport. But once you go to that middle ground, then it'll kind of look like it'll be a bit weird. It'll be like, well, yeah, crowds are back, but it's kind of, um, you know, it's, it's just not the same. It's like it won't feel the same. Uh, and you don't have an excuse mentally to, to go, oh, wow, that's, the, the crowd is pretty small. It'll be it'll draw your attention to the fact that there are people in the crowd, but it's not it's not uh, crowded. And so it mm. it may actually distract us more as viewers to see a smattering of people in the crowd as opposed to the way they've been doing it now, which is they, they're not showing the crowd at all because there's no one there. And so I yeah. kind of think this may backfire on us because, you know, yes, it's good to have some fans out there, but, you know, it will be distracting to watch. But the other thing is how do we decide which fans are going uh, to these games? Uh, what kind of a system are we setting up for first come first served or you know how are we doing this uh it's got to be a bit fair because we've got people who have stuck through the the covid crisis with clubs in terms of say membership uh a lot of the memberships haven't been refunded so you know are we to let members first uh first pick uh of uh you know, and uh how would you feel if you're a member and you're not given the seat that you paid for but you're told to go in the cheap seats down, uh, you know, up the top because uh, they want to spread everyone around. Like how do they then decide which of the members who are there gets to actually sit in the better locations? So, again, lots of practical questions I have, (laughs) very practical, about who gets the good seats on the day. Um, This is a real question that I have. I don't know, Tisha, am I thinking it too much? Am I overanalyzing it? No, no, it's a very good point. How do we decide? Well, I think there's only one thing to decide, and that is the footy show official NRL trivia game. Thousand questions, test your knowledge on <laughs> and off the field. And, uh, yeah, let's see who scores the highest in these tests and let's, uh, let's allow them to sort of come into the ground, and that would be the uh, the, the perfect way, I'd think, to, to do it or – you know, it's uh, it, it, it is it is going to be interesting. I mean, because like uh, I mean, I just think about it like this: like uh, you know, people that are vulnerable. Like we've had this sort of situation at the moment. We've gone, you know, if you're sort of uh, a bit vulnerable, then you know, then you can only do that. And you know, we urge people that are that sort of a bit more healthy to get out. And you know, um, I don't want us to get into a situation where we're fan profiling a little bit. Where we sort of, um, mm. you know, we'll take you, you, and you, but we won't take you, or you know, because I, because that there could be some really fine lines with that. So, look at the at the moment, I, I kind of feel that this is going to be a corporate thing where it's probably going to be sponsors, um, I'd imagine. So, you know, like sponsors of different teams, um, they probably get a certain number of allocated tickets, um, uh, because the problem is memberships are are over ten thousand, right? So, or maybe they might have something with memberships where members might be able to, uh. You know, only members can go, so you just need to go in there and be like first in, best dressed to try and get those limited tickets. Maybe that might be, um, maybe might, uh, you know, maybe that might be the way. Yeah, I mean, who knows? But 
look, interesting times ahead. So hopefully the NRL can give us some details about how it's going to work because I think uh, they'd be interested. I like your idea of the quiz, the quiz thing, the trivia thing. Uh, I think, un- unfortunately, it will disadvantage Broncos supporters, though. So anyway, that's just my view. All right, let's move on <laughs> to tackle number three. So we've got, uh, look, even though we said, look, one team that remains undefeated, it's actually two teams that are undefeated at the moment, the Penrith Panthers being the other one, but because they haven't won every game, we've got, uh, you know, the the uh, the Eels. Well, actually, they're facing each other in the top-of-the-table clash this Friday night, but really the Eels have set the... Uh, the uh, competition alight with their perfect start 4-0 uh, to a season. The first time they've done that since, I believe, uh, is it 1989? So first time they've won their opening four games straight. Um, if they manage to win against Penrith this Friday, it will be just the third time in their history that they have done, they have gone 5-0 in their first five games. And uh, the other two times, that they did that in 83 and 86, uh, their premiership winning seasons, the last two times that they won. So, look, if you're into conspiracy theories and uh, things like that, look, not so much a conspiracy, but if you're into those kind of signs, maybe this is a sign that the the Eels have started the season very well and maybe it's uh, all the way to the grand final from here. Who knows? But, look, after what happened against Manly, uh, I'm a little bit worried because uh, they tend to kind of do this. They tend to not not fi- not know how to you know capitalize on their success, and so I'm, I'm a bit worried about that. But uh, let's see what happens. But he's undefeated so far, and by the end of this round, we will have definitely, clearly one. Well, unless it's a draw, <laughs> one one definitely undefeated team, uh, and. Uh, Look, I'm hoping it's the Eels, of course, but what do you make of the Eels' 4-0 start? Can they go 5-0? And does this uh, signify or herald that they are here at a real good shot at the Premiership? Well, this is a big game for Parramatta, so I think it's a real, it's a very interesting match that they're playing because they are playing at the Panthers. Another team who's only... Uh, well, they haven't actually lost the Panthers. They've... They've drawn one game, so um, that's where the Panthers are sitting at the moment. So, you know, um, and whereas Paramount, Paramount are the only teams that haven't lost a game undefeated, so so that's where they're sitting at. If they win this game, then they would go 5-0, and, you know, obviously the history milestones start to come into play. But it also means that they've beaten a team that is a genuine chance for the premiership, which is obviously a very uh, important step that you need to make. Plus, on the other side of things, they're only ha- they're actually halfway to securing their spot into the finals because you probably only need to win 10 games to be able to make it to the final series. And, um, you know, winning five, your first five, I mean, you're halfway there. So um, a very interesting um, sort of point that Parramatta, a unique sort of place that they're sort of positioned to be. Look, I think in terms of what their form has shown, um, you know, you've got players... Uh, you know, it, you, you've got Gutherson and Moses who are sort of the experienced players of their spine. And then you've got two, I mean, um, you know, players in their second season that are sort of, you know, carrying the number nine and the number six for them, you know, Smith and, um, yeah, and uh, I forgot the other guy's name. But anyway, but there you go. 
And then and then you've got a team. Uh, then you got a team where you got Michael Jennings out there. Um, you know, you got uh, you know uh, Ferguson as well, Blake Ferguson. And then you've got you know a couple of young guys in the mix as well in the centers, and and, and you know, and you've got Siva, of course. And then you've got a pretty good forward pack, you know, a, a very fit team as well, you know, very fit and mobile. And they might not be the biggest pack out there, but they're certainly a, a pack that can that can uh, that has got enough firepower in there to really do some damage. So it's kind of a very interesting team because it's, it's not your Roosters or your Canberra's, you know, sort of big forward pack type thing. It's more of a a bit more of a creative team and a and a team that sort of thrives on very fast football. And this year it's we know with the six again rule, it's a lot more faster. So it is it is really exciting to see this Parramatta team come forward and you know and, and they're sort of changing the way the game is sort of being played a little bit by the way and the brand they play. So I really hope they go really well. Uh, but look, with all teams that are sort of got this sort of you know um, electric vibe to them, when things are going well, it goes great. When things don't go too well, that's when the real test comes in. And that maybe that's when that inexperience comes in because obviously when there's those tight games, you know, you really need to be able to, to win those. So, but look, well done on their efforts so far. And um, I think they will definitely play the finals this year. Um, and I think they could make it to the grand final. And I think this is a, a game that if they do win this game, this will definitely, um, I think this is a big game for them to win. And, uh, you know, because I think if if they get to the other side of this game with a, with a really good victory, um, really show you know they're going to stand up and show the competition that Parramatta are here they're here to play and you know you're not easily going to be able to beat them this year yeah I think actually the next three weeks are actually crucial for both teams because even if they get over the Panthers this weekend they've then got the Roosters and then the Raiders the wow. two grand finalists from last year. So wow. though, I think those two games, to me, are going to be the real test of the Eels. So if they do manage to go 5-0, they probably won't won't go much better than 5-2 after 7-7. Seven, seven, uh, you know, they could possibly be in for a couple of defeats there. Um, on the flip side, the Panthers, uh, you know, let's just say they get over the Eels this weekend and uh, leapfrog them to the top of the table. Um you know, then they've got the Storm. Uh, admittedly, they've got the Storm at their own home ground, not not at Storm's home ground. And then they've got the Rabbitohs uh, the two weeks after that. So, you know, potentially if they can get over the Eels this weekend, they could win one of the next two after that. So this is really a, a really crunch match for both. Uh, and I know we, we haven't started the tips yet, but I think uh, it'll be a very interesting one and we'll definitely talk about that soon. But... Yeah, it's a it's crunch time uh, to find out really if uh, Parramatta has what it takes. Uh, this will be a really good stepping stone for those next two matches. Mm. So look, we're talking about the top of the table, but let's talk about in tackle number four, the bottom. So one team remains winless, and that team is the Dragons. And uh, unfortunately, with uh, there's been news today uh, that there was an extraordinary board meeting which uh, I think everyone thought would mean that Paul McGregor would be sacked. But no, he has earned a reprieve and he has not lost his job. But, um, you know, we've been saying for quite some time that he would be he's, – he's, he's held the record, I think, in our podcast of being the, co- the coach that we've often thought would be the first one to be sacked each year for the last couple of years. So 
he's uh, he's almost there again. Unfortunately, he's not uh, he's not getting the dragons to perform very well at this point in time. But uh, look, who knows? Stranger things have happened. Tish, what are your thoughts about uh, the dragons? Uh, what can they do to pick themselves up? And uh, yeah, can they start this weekend against uh, who? Are they, who are they playing this weekend? They are playing the uh, the sharks on the Monday night. So or on the Sunday night. Sorry. So a tough one, but yeah, what do you think about the dragons? Well, uh, the dragons. Uh, yeah, it's, here's the thing. I don't think, uh, look, I don't know if you could necessarily consider them a, a contender, but you probably saw them as a team that was sort of in the top eight or just a little bit outside the top eight. Uh, the fact that they are sort of last and sort of dead last and horrific is kind of, it's, it's very concerning. Um, and particularly with the roster they've got, I mean, they've got origin players who played in last year's origin series, Ben Hunt. And Corey Norman in, uh, you know, in in the halves and five eight conversation. Uh, yeah, sorry, uh, positions. They've got Isaac Luke, you know, uh, a well capped player for the Warriors. Yes, he's on the back end of his season, the um, back end of his career. But you know, a New Zealand international, plenty of experience. You've got Paul Vaughan and Tariq Sims, who played Origin last year for New South Wales. Um, you know, along with um, along with their uh, sorry, along with uh, there are other players. Uh, Tyson Frizzell, right? That's a pretty good lineup, just just like that. And then obviously you've got uh, you know the, the big Englishman as well, um, sort of you know playing in the front row as well, who's who's got all that experience um, uh, and everything like that. So what a what a team, James Graham that is. So what a team they've got. What 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 a pre- you know pretty strong lineup, but yet they're doing so poorly. It's it's really quite. Remarkable, really, and um, and look, if it's not the coach, then what is the problem? Uh, what is the causing the whole issue? Um, you know, on, on their coaching staff, they do have Shane Flanagan. Um, they do have Dean Young as well, Matthew Head. Um, you know, Chiriaco, Mesha, Paul McGregor. So they've got a pretty good lineup of people that are in the coaching, um, sort of under Paul McGregor as well. Um, and I know that Phil Gould late last year, at the end of the season, did a review, an internal review which, to be honest, the results of the review have never been published, um, nor is Phil Gould actually giving that information out. And um, after all that review, are they actually listening to the advice that Phil Gould have put in, or aren't they? Nobody would, would confirm or deny that. And yet the results are getting worse and worse. So I have no idea how to fix the Dragon situation, is basically what I'm telling you, because... It feels like they've tried everything except for the one thing that they probably should have tried probably a while ago. Let's maybe ask, um, you know, one of the greatest centers of all time, Mary McGregor, to, to finally move on. I, I kind of feel like that's kind of inevitable now. There's, they're not really going to be able to get anywhere if they don't get rid of the coach because what else can they change, which they haven't already changed, to try and fix the situation, you know? Um, that's what it feels like. I don't know what it is about Paul McGregor that, has caused this situation. And I don't know if it's him or if it's the players, but there's just, uh, you know, it's, it's a problem. It's, um, you know, it's one of these things like, you know, I know, I know that a man has landed on the moon and you have to do all these calculations to figure out how to get there. Uh, but it kind of like, it feels like dragons winning game. It's actually harder to figure out than actually how we got to the moon. 
Like, it seems so complicated. <laughs> right? And I'm like, what, what is it? What is it? I've, I've, this, you really can't put a figure on it, like, about what, where are they going wrong and, what, and how can they fix it? I mean, um, they could spend the whole week learning how to catch the ball because that's probably an important aspect. Um, I, yeah. I'm at a loss, Doctor T. It's it's really the situation, and because um, it's a team like you know Titans and Bulldogs and some of these teams, you know, with all respect to their players, they really don't have the roster at the moment to be to be doing anything that well, and they're not. They're, but they both won a game this season, so so where does it leave the Dragons? I don't yeah, know. what about you? That's a what tough about one. You? Yeah, it is. <laughs> It's, it's a difficult one to try and explain this because, uh, you know, I mean, ultimately I think one of the things you need to look at is the roster. As you said, they probably don't have the strongest roster in the league and I think that actually counts against them quite a lot uh, when you look at who they're up against. They also have, look, they've, to be honest, they've got some of the players that they've got, they seem tired. Uh, yeah. they've, they've brought in, the new blood that they have brought in hasn't really worked out for them. You talked about Corey Norman. And Ben Hunt, they haven't been able to find a combination so much so that Corey Norman's been named at fullback this weekend. Ben Hunt's at six. You know, like you would have thought that when the roster was announced, Norman and Hunt would be the halves. It's there's something going on there that they don't they don't very much work well together. I guess Corey Norman has had that problem for a while. We've talked about this as well about the roles that you 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 have in terms of the X-factor player versus the organiser type player. And if you've got two players in the halves which either play the same kind of role or one's not organising enough or one's getting in the way of the organiser, you know, this is what happens. And I think Corey Norman has tended to do that. There's no, there's no, um, you know, there's no coincidence, I think, that, that from the time that Corey Norman left the Eels, that uh, that the Eels started to get their act together, at least in the halves. And and I think that's got to do with – it's not necessarily a slight on him. It's just more to do with – it's about the combinations and the style of player you want uh, as a playmaker. And if you have a style of player like Corey Norman, you need to kind of complement his skills and fill in the gaps where he can't, cannot provide that particular skill set um, to your game rather than just throwing a bunch of names together and saying, see, these are well-known origin players, they should work well together. Well, that's not really how the teams work. And that's not how, you know, only the really best coaches are able to sort of bring bring together with a lot of experienced players and mould them into a particular unit. Uh, not yeah. every coach can do that. And, uh, you know, I... I even argue that you know very very few at the moment that are in the NRL are able to do that. So you've got players or coaches and teams like Bellamy's teams who are shaped to fit Bellamy's vision of how to play the game, rather than vice versa. He doesn't necessarily, you know. But then you've got the the Wayne Bennett sort of approach, which is he actually is one of the best coaches of all time and actually getting the best out of his players, regardless of their skill set. He manages to find a way to blend them together in such a way that it operates a team as a unit. So, and he's been yeah. doing that pretty successfully across different teams. So, it remains to be seen what the the uh, the dragons can do to turn this around. But I think one of yeah. the things that they do need 
is change. So whether that's in new players or a new coach, something needs to give. And at the moment, uh, it's a, they're not going to be budging much from the bottom of the table if they keep doing the same old, same old. So Yeah. Well, well Dr. T, I, I just kind of felt bad. I feel bad for the fans, and I actually feel bad for St. George, and I kind of felt, you know what, uh, maybe I'm banging them out too much. Maybe I should go back and have a look at who they've played this year. Because you know, what if they played the top four teams of last year in their first four rounds? Um, and maybe that's the reason why they're 0-4. Um, so who have they actually lost to this year so far? The West Tigers, who finished ninth last year and just lost to the Titans. Uh, the Panthers, who are in form but came 10th last year. And the Warriors, who finished 12th last year uh, and are in quarantine away from the, <laughs> away from everybody. And the Bulldogs, who, um, you know, who, where were they? They were like 15th or, or no, they, sorry, Dragons were 15th. They, they, oh, they, were, they were 13th. So they haven't really played high caliber teams so far um maybe maybe uh, apart from the panthers but uh you know all the teams that have played so far are not really your roosters your melbournes your rabbitos your Parramatta's, uh your knights your canberras they've all got those clubs still yet to play so uh just i'm not sure i'm not sure how how um i don't know how they're going to turn it around that that's basically where it comes up, comes down to all right, well, let's move on to tackle number five. And uh, tackle number five is about a, an NRL expansion team that could have an Indigenous name. Tish, do you want to take it away? Yes, well, Dr. T, so, um, look, we, uh, we talked about it last week. You know, the NRL is seriously considering some offers for a 17th team, um, which will be another team in Queensland, the second Brisbane team. Um, so one of the bids is actually called, uh, is the Western Corridor NRL bid, which will be the first Australian sporting side to have an Indigenous name if admitted as a second Brisbane team. So look, with the future of the de- uh, you know of the NRL secured by a long-term broadcast deal, um, Nine and Fox Sports uh, have both agreed. Um, this has kind of um, shown renewed interest of the NRL to get a new team up in Brisbane to try and get basically a. Uh, uh, every week, a, t- a Brisbane game go- going on. So the Redcliffe Dolphins, the Brisbane Bombers, and the East Tigers, who are who will now enter in as the Brisbane Firehawks if they go through, are all vying for that license, along with another entity called the Western Corridor, who have been linked to Sydney uh, Rooster star Luke Kerry uh, to, to actually be their um, signing. So this Ipswich-based bid will uh, represent Toowoomba, Logan and other Queensland country areas um, and aims to honour the development of the strong links to the region uh, with the Indigenous communities of that area. If successful, the Western Corridor and NRL bid Steve Johnson um, said uh, they'll have respectful discussions with the representatives and, um, you know, my apologies if I don't get the pronunciation right, all right but the, the Jagara, the Urugarga and the Urugarpul people to decide on what their name is going to be. So basically they will have, um, so the emblem and, and the mascot, it won't be, um, you know, it won't be like a shark or a tiger or, or anything like that. It's actually going to, it's actually going to tie back to uh, like an Aboriginal type name. And um, that's what they want to do because they want to honor the, the area there. Um, there is a, there's a great article on the NRL website about this bid. 
Um, you know, one of the things that it does talk about is that those areas do have strong Aboriginal uh, communities in those areas. So it is a really good way um, to sort of get that fan engagement. And we know that um, rugby league's been, um, it's very popular in the Aboriginal community and it's and it's a sport that is, um, you know, a lot of, uh, we've had a lot of great NRL players from an Aboriginal uh, point of view, but they've never really been represented by a team um, sort of week in, week out as much as what the Western Corridor looks like it's going to be. So, Look, to be honest, this has um, gone from something I never knew about to probably my number one pick for that 17th team because I think it's an absolutely cool and awesome way. And I know we've had some um, some pretty uh, out-there world events happening right now at the moment with the uh, Black Lives Matter uh, movement, which, to be honest, I kind of feel shouldn't really be a movement because it should just make sense. It's it's like it's a given. All life matters, including black lives, and it you know, they shouldn't have to protest for this stuff. But I think um, you know, not to, to put that aside, I think this is a really good idea from the NRL. Uh, your thoughts there, Dr. T? Yeah, look, I agree. I think uh, I think it is. It's one of those things that I I hadn't I didn't know about this when we spoke about this last week. There wasn't much information about where this was going, and this article in on the NRL.com website. I think you're right. It it just only came out uh, yesterday, and and really sort of spells out the fact that. Uh, you know the 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 chief the bid chief of the the Western Corridor NRL bid chief Steve Johnson, who is also a chairman of the Ipswich Jets, uh, has talked very much about it being. Uh, he talks about he quote we're a black area and we are proud of that. So really, he says we we determined from day one we would be the first club in Australia to truly honour the contributions of Indigenous Australians to our game as part of reconciliation. While it is going to be up to the shareholders to come up with a name, there is going to be an Aboriginal element in the name. So they've made it very clear that they are going to... Oh, and, and the other thing is that, that they're also honouring um, Arthur Beetson, who uh, the bid is associated with the Arthur Beetson Foundation to run academies for young Indigenous wow. players in southeast Queensland using Intrust Super Cup players as mentors. So... They've really got their act together in terms of the holistic approach of a club, and and what it means to that area. I I'm with you, Tish. I think if this is true, what they're doing, and and as long as they've ticked the other boxes in terms of the professionalism of the side and all that kind of stuff, this has a potential to just be a real boost uh, to the game in Southeast Queensland. It's got it's got meaning behind it. You know, it's not just a geographical connection uh, to that area, but it's also a, it's got a cultural connection to that area. And if there's anything that we've said about, you know, the Titans and uh, and some of the other clubs that have been just sort of those these cookie cutter kind of clubs with Americanized names, this is the absolute opposite of that. This is absolutely kind of linking in with the cultural identity of the area, um, honouring one of the greatest players of all time, the immortal Arthur Beetson. Uh, and and not only that, but by linking with the Arthur Beetson Foundation, it's also setting up a mentoring program for young Indigenous players. So, look, at the end of the day, this club, if it gets the back the backing and gets into the NRL, regardless of what it's called will have some legitimate you know cultural um links 
it will have a legitimate cultural benefit for the for that community and for indigenous players anyway it's going to be a magnet for young indigenous mm. players in queensland and it's all positive i mean how could you not look at this bid regardless of what they're going to name it and not be feel positive about it uh, you know and the timing is kind of interesting we you know you kind of alluded to it the the timing of this being this thing happening this announcement happening at the time of the the, the black lives matter movement uh, sort of having some worldwide recognition at the moment is is uh look i think it's 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 a it's lucky it's not necessarily that they planned it this way because we only just spoke about the other kind of teams uh, that are that are vying for the, that 17th license uh, last week but if this is true that they are going for an indigenous kind of name, it would be great. I mean, I believe we actually talked about this a while ago. This this actually came up a while ago when I think the idea was the Jagra um, uh, tribe, I guess, or, or the peoples of the Jagra nation there, uh, potentially putting forward a bid. I don't know. Could it be the Jaguars? Who knows? I mean, maybe that's mm. that's one way to to link it to a particular area but also retain the Aboriginal name. Um, I, I don't know. I mean, I think that could be a possibility, but uh, as Steve Johnson said, it, it's up to the, the shareholders of that bid to decide what the name will be. And uh, But I do like the looks of what they're doing around all of that. Like I said, a holistic approach. It's going to have a very, uh, very good community-based element I think that's a really positive thing at this in this day and age to have that sort of connection with the community in a growing area. It's not like as if it's an area that's not going to, uh, you know, once you get a stadium there or, or once you decide on where the home ground will be, it's going to have a lot of um, a lot of support regardless. So I think to have that indigenous element is perfect in in a way, and I think it you know catapults this team to the top of the pile. Uh, uh, although we haven't heard from the others yet completely, but I think uh, I really like the looks of this one. So I'm with you, Tish. I think this is uh, the top of the pile at the moment. Yeah, absolutely. So, um, yeah, look, so all the best to the people in the Western Corridor um, in getting this bid up. Uh, look, it hasn't been completely confirmed that the NRL will definitely have that team um, in the 2022 season, but uh, let's hope that the momentum keeps building for it because I think it's so desperately needed. Um, and it's just going to do a great thing uh, for Rugby League and uh, hopefully with this bit do a great thing for the community as well. Absolutely. All right, final tackle, tackle number six. Here we go. All right, so round five tips. Now, after round four, uh, we had a dismal show and you got three out of eight. I got two out of eight. So our total out of those two rounds uh, since uh, post-COVID rounds is 8.5, which is uh, terrible. Uh, but away we go so let's go through each one quick fire seagulls versus broncos i am tipping the seagulls to bounce back <laughs> yep seagulls for mine <laughs> um no arguments there no bra- no no brainer really um warriors and cowboys this is an interesting one because it all depends on whether the warriors are on or not and i'm i'm thinking that they'll be on so i'm tipping okay. the warriors i think uh last week was normally i'm tipping the cowboys all right Eels and Panthers, uh, similarly, I'm worried about this game in a way, but the Eels have shown that they're pretty consistent this year, so I'm tipping the Eels. Okay, I'm going to go the Panthers. Remember, Nathan Cleary is back, 
he wants his origin spot back because everybody's talking about Moses getting it. So I think they're going to be a bit more motivated than the Eels. Rabbitohs and Titans. Uh, look, despite the fact the Titans won and the Rabbitohs, I think they've got some good signs of what's ahead, and I think they'll easily dispose of the Titans. Cody Walker is back, which is probably why I'm going for the Rabbitohs. So Rabbitohs for mine. Knights versus Storm. Now, traditionally, the Knights have been uh, the bane of the Storm uh, in the last few years, uh, especially closer to the finals time. And I'm tipping that the Knights will actually defeat the Storm. Maybe a bit of an upset, but I, I think they'll do it. They can do it. Yeah, I'm going to tip the Storm, but I think this is going to be probably the match at around. It's going to be a real close one. Tigers and Raiders. Now, Tigers sensationally have dropped Benji Marshall. Uh, is that going to be enough to boost the rest of the team? No. I think the Raiders are going to win that one. Mm. Bye-bye, Benji. Hello, victory. Tigers for me. <laughs> oh, wow. Uh, Bulldogs, <laughs> Bulldogs and Roosters. Uh, I think the Roosters will win this one quite easily. Yeah, look, Roosters for mine on this one as well. So, yeah. Uh, Dragons and Sharks, uh, the last game of the round. I'm tipping an upset. I'm tipping the Dragons. Um, look, I'm going to tip the Sharks. Um, yeah, look, the only the only way the dra- the Sharks are going to lose, I feel, is that they'll, they won't kick any goals. And then, you know, you know what? The Dragons can't score. So, yeah, the Sharks were mine. <laughs> okay. Nice and easy. All right, well, yeah. that, those are our tips for, uh, you know, but don't listen to us because we're, we're not doing so well this year. But <laughs> yep. let's see how we go with uh, the third post-COVID round, round five. Uh, And look, that's it. That wraps up our podcast. Thank you very much for listening, everyone. Don't forget you can contact us via email at rlrepublic at gmail.com. If you want to give us any feedback at all, check out our website, rlrepublic.com. If you want to uh, look at our podcast episodes and subscribe to the the episodes. And uh, also check us out on our Facebook group, Check us out on Twitter and also on iTunes. Don't forget to subscribe to the podcast and uh, please leave a review and post comments, hopefully positive. And Tish, um, over to you to wrap this one up. All right. Well, thank you, Dr. T. I'd like to thank everybody out there for listening. Um, And look, uh, watch your rugby league this weekend. But look, that's all the time that we have for this episode of the Rugby League Republic. We are your hosts, Tish and Dr. T. Join us next time on the Rugby League Republic. Bye for now.